Hey everybody, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you have heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. The Game Time app is simple, it's quick, and it's easy to navigate. And now, Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here is all you need to do download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account. Then under the billing section, use the redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for 10 bucks off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who use the redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019, so make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. <music> Hi everyone, I'm Kate Scott. Thank you so much for joining us for the first week of The Update. It's a new podcast covering the most interesting Bay Area sports stories of the moment with interviews and sound from the folks at the heart of those stories. Now I'm sure there'll be some bumps here in our first few weeks, but we really hope that you'll stick with us because our goal is to make this your go-to podcast when you want to get caught up on all of our teams here in the Bay, college and pro, quickly and on your schedule. All right, here we go. For the Athletic Podcast Network, I'm Kate Scott. Welcome to the update. On today's show, who is D'Angelo Russell? And how did his turbulent first four years in the NBA prepare him to potentially be the puzzle piece the Warriors need to make a run at another championship next year? Warriors beat writer Anthony Slater joins us to discuss, following his in-depth sit-down with the young star. It's Friday, December 20th. Anthony, thanks so much for being here today. When did this story first come into focus for you? July, right? Uh, it was a shocking move from the Warriors to get D'Angelo Russell. Nobody, not, not even the people that cover the team closely, not even some people within the organization that aren't necessarily the decision makers, knew this was even really on the table. And it wouldn't have been on the table if Kevin Durant doesn't pick a specific team, right? That's the only path that opened the sign-and-trade up for Russell. So when that happens... You're like, you know, why did it happen? Suddenly, as a person on a beat, I'm like, I need to get to know this guy a lot right. more, you know. But also, he's not super open and maybe like a Kevin Durant, a guy I covered for six years. So I figured I should probably take some time to nibble around him, figure some stuff out before I go to him with the interview. And it, it makes sense that he's maybe not as open a, as KD was with you because only been in the league four years, but for folks who don't know him that well, He's been a part of, and he's also made quite a few of his own headlines. If you really go back, you know, he's from Louisville. He he was, a you know, a big college recruit, but didn't think he was going to be immediate, like one and done. He goes second overall. With the second pick in the 2015 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select D'Angelo Russell from The Ohio State University. Not only second overall, but second overall to the Los Angeles Lakers, which just kind of tossed him really into a storm in LA and you know I, I know I kind of talk about it in the story but the Kobe season it was not a normal Lakers season playing his 41st and final game in Salt Lake City at 6-6 212 pine guard from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania welcome please Kobe Bryant you know the famous headline is obviously the the Snapchat fiasco with with Nick Young but even beyond that separated from that he would you're going to make headlines if you're a second overall pick good or bad like we're just going to be watching what you do I mean it happens every year it's going to happen with Zion and John Morant right now this season you know he didn't perform that well and then he's you know part of the trade package that goes to Brooklyn 
I think the Brooklyn years really were good for him because of how uh, just lowered the expectations were there. They <laughs> play in New York, and people are like, well, he's played in L.A., now he's playing in New York. It's the same. It's not the same. Nobody really cares about the Nets. It's basically like playing for the Clippers in L.A. compared to the Lakers in L.A. So let's get into all of that. Uh, let's go back to his first season in league, and let's go big picture because, as you mentioned, it was Kobe's farewell. So what was that year like for the entire Lakers organization? It sure was great for Kobe. I didn't cover that season, but I probably went to maybe four or five games. You know, I was covering the Thunder at the time. They're really bad, and Kobe's really bad. You know, Kobe's shooting like 35% overall, but they're – Byron Scott, his former teammate, is his coach, and he's just letting him take whatever amount of shots he wants. Meanwhile, at the core of what we're talking about is D'Angelo Russell, the second overall pick, who I know his friend Carl Anthony Towns goes number one overall to Minnesota, and I know people who remembered some Wolves-Lakers games that season, and it was such a contrast of you would see Minnesota, who's, I mean, they're not known as a great organization, but they got Towns, and it was suddenly the franchise is handed over to him. Long jumper for Towns, and are you kidding me for the former Kentucky Wildcat? Towns, a little shovel pass inside for Andrew Wiggins. That's, that's the difference between Cat and Rob Biggs, his ability to pass the basketball. Gets it all the way to the rack, the high dribble, the finger roll, and it goes! How can we fit around the right pieces? How can we get you the shots? How can we develop you? Whereas the Lakers were only caring about their retiring legend. And we're kind of, you know, they're ripping Russell. He wasn't playing that well. He wasn't handling it well because he's 19. He's a little immature. I guess that's kind of the backdrop of what turns into really a disaster season. So from Russell's perspective, you mentioned it, a kid born the year that Kobe was drafted. What was D'Angelo like, in his words, in his rookie season? Immature, childish, not ready for that environment at all, but also not being guided by anyone that was trying to properly grow a prospect like they should have been. I mean, this is a second overall pick. This is the future. During the interview, he untied my shoe. He was like, you know, I would be just, I'd just get into work and I'd just go around untying people's shoes. I thought it was funny. You know, I'm 19. Um, but then you realize that's, you know, I'm doing it to run our tests. I'm doing it in front of assistant coaches. I'm, you know, these people are, they start to eye roll you and uh, maybe are less invested in you if they just kind of think, oh, you know, this little immature kid doing this. He mentioned, you know, he gets benched in December. You know, they're really bad. He's not playing that well. He's getting criticized. He gets benched and then he stops shaking the hand of coaches. He was kind of being a brat about it, I guess is the best way to put it. They would call him in the game and he would like take kind of like a circular route around the coaches. He would get pulled from the game and he would tell, he even like kind of mimicked it. Like I would take this route. It was like a looping route to make sure I didn't walk in front of the coaches because I wanted not only to show them I didn't want to shake their hands, but I wanted to show the fans that I didn't want to shake his hand. Mm. How did Lakers head coach Byron Scott handle that? Not well. I mean, he's ripped him regularly in the media. He's just kind of struggling. I think he's struggling with his decision-making more than anything. You know, he's had about eight, nine turnovers in the last two games, you know, and that's something that we, we uh, definitely got to take care of. And a lot of them are just unforced. You know, he, he's making his mind up before the play is there. And I told him, you got to let the defense dictate to you what to do. You can't already come off the screen and say, I'm going to make this little bounce pass. It might not be there. And that's where he's getting himself in trouble. It's fine to be very frustrated. It's fine to discipline. Uh, your players and look, Byron Scott can handle it any way he wants, but it doesn't. A lot of times, doesn't help kids if you are just kind of uh, ripping them without like positive feedback within that. And you know, you're doing it publicly. So a lot of times, some of these other coaches will do it more privately. He was doing it publicly mm -hmm. while also praising everything Kobe did, even though Kobe's not playing well. Russell's not playing well. Kobe's not playing well. And yes, there is obviously we both 
understand why Kobe Bryant was getting the farewell tour. It was very earned. But Russell's 19. He's just kind of seeing praise for, you know, his teammate. Meanwhile, I'm just kind of getting killed for every little thing I do. And, you know, he kind of acted out because of it. So Kobe's focused on Kobe that season. Which Laker vet does D'Angelo then decide to latch on to? Nick Young, if you want to consider him a vet, right? Because, you know, especially talking to people around the team, Nick Young may have been, a, what, at that point, 26, 27, but in, in his brain he was still kind of 19, 20. You know, he, he he enjoyed hanging out with Russell, and not only Russell, Jordan Clarkson, you know, that Larry Nance crew, they were in Hollywood. They were on the Hollywood scene. Nick Young's dating uh, Iggy Azalea at the time. Uh, there's rumors about Russell with, I believe it's Kendall Jenner at the time. I mean, you know, it's just fun for a 19-year-old, I'm sure, but, like, as we're talking about, like, nurturing a career... Uh, yeah, it might have been it might have been a little bit easier in a in a softer environment. But as you mentioned, they're all getting along great until the end of Russell's rookie season. So what happens? So apparently they had a and this is going on kind of like all season a little bit. You know, you get you develop inside jokes with friends at work, and one of them was like, you know, I'd be over here taping you like without your knowledge, and you'd say something, and I'd be, you know, gotcha, and they would kind of do that to each other and. Midway through the season, they're on a road trip. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's in Nick Young's hotel room, tapes Nick Young talking about you know, sleeping with different women on the road. How old was you? Nick Young at the time is engaged to Iggy Azalea. D'Angelo still is very unsure about how it leaked to the public. Uh, he says he had nothing to do with it. Snapchat was very young at the time, mm-hmm. but it somehow just made its way to the online sphere, and we all know how that works. I mean, it just blasts off starts in the Hollywood blogs. They care about it the most. You know, Lakers player, you know, popular female rapper. Uh Uh-oh, is he cheating? Uh Uh-oh, look at this young teammate who did it. But then that quickly, you know, then we get, you know, we don't care about the gawker necessarily scenes, but now it's like, hey, there's a problem in the Laker locker room. Rookie D'Angelo Russell has become persona non grata in his own locker room after secretly videotaping a conversation with his teammate, Nick Young. You find out that Russell snitched. God damn. Russell. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I mean, to sit up there and, 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 and ex- exercise that level of a violation. Now, I understand everybody talking about it's not a man code. It's, it's a everybody code because women have certain codes. Well, damn it, I'm a man. As a man, you don't do that. And then it, that just blows up. And he becomes this, he becomes a meme. You know, he's the snitching meme. You still see it today. I put out my story. There's at least five just random people in the mansions like snitch you know that's it, it's just something he has he still has to deal with a half decade later do you think it would have been as big of a story uh, or gone down the way it did if it hadn't been the lakers if it hadn't been in los angeles no because if it wasn't los angeles you know nick young might not be with iggy azalea and like what does tmz care if it's you know some seventh man on the memphis grizzlies also he's not playing well at the time they're not playing well at the time it was made for uh, modern uh, media, modern, the way we consume, the type of stories we love. Like, if this happened today, I mean, in L.A., New York, any of these big markets, like, it would be a, it would be a monster story. So his team's shunned him. Guys that he hopes will be a mentor for him, maybe in the future, don't want to be seen talking to him. Who does Russell turn to during that time? Well, you know, he talks to his friends. I mean, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, the, the guys who, you know, he came into the league with, his brother he's very close with. But really kind of himself, I would say, mostly. Uh, you know, he mentions that's in retrospect, it's a turning point in his career. 
he's no longer viewing it as this, this kind of fun, happy go environment. I'm going to walk into the arena and I'm going to go see Dwayne Wade. I'm going to go see Dirk Nowitzki and I'm going to go say hello to them because guys don't want to be seen with them. You want to meet your hero, you meet your hero and it's like, damn, he don't even like, he's not even that. That's how that feeling was. So when I would go into arenas and meet these players for the first time that I was a fan of, they kind of side-shouldered me mm -hmm. like, nah, bro. You, you don't want to be seen. Dog. Yeah, yeah. literally. Like, and I just peeped every little thing. Even if they feel bad for him, they're like, well, I don't want to necessarily have Nick Young see me talking to him. Um, and also at the facility, he said it as there was no more like high buys or, you know, it was just, I would go in, everyone was very distant. I became distant, but he started just concerning himself with work, basketball, getting through it somehow. So it sounds like the whole experience kind of emotionally hardened him and, and matured him. And just his first year in the league, he's just 19 years old. And that would really come in handy because in the draft following Russell's second season, who do the Lakers take with another number two pick? Lonzo Ball, with with his father loudly proclaiming that uh, he was the answer. Lonzo was, so it wasn't just like, hey, you know, they looks like they could, they'll probably get a point guard at number two. It was at the time, like you know, the franchise has been saved. Get out of here, D'Angelo. Like Lonzo's coming to town. We want to start building a successful team, and you have to have a great leader and somebody that can make their teammates better. Somebody who has incredible basketball IQ and somebody who can get their teammates to follow them and want to get out on that wing like James Worthy and Byron Scott and Michael Cooper used to do back in the day. We feel that we have that person right here in Lonzo Ball. LeVar Ball is going on, you know, various media saying Magic Johnson is about to draft the next Magic Johnson, essentially perfect for D'Angelo because he needed to get out of there. They needed an escape from him. It kind of led to the parting of ways. Obviously, he's traded to, to Brooklyn uh, right before the draft. Um, and it's a package that helped both teams. You know, the Nets got a future point guard. Brooklyn actually set back a pick that became Kyle Kuzma. So it ended up working out. So now 2017-18 season, fresh start. He's a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Which veterans does head coach Kenny Atkinson ask to mentor Russell? Damari Carroll, who played for uh, Kenny Atkinson in Atlanta. You know, he's super wise. You talk to him, uh, which I did for the story. He's playing on the Spurs now. He's just been on a bunch of teams, just knows the business, uh, and is willing to kind of – was told by Kenny Atkinson, he, you know, your locker is next to D'Angelo Russell's, impart your wisdom on him, basically. And he had gone through knee issues, which D'Angelo did. He kind of taught him, you know, how to keep his, you know, knees maintained. Um, and then also Jared Dudley's the other one, who is also known as – you know, a future coach in the league. Right now he's on the Lakers. He's, you know, he's kind of applauding, not that great of a player, but he's just loved in locker rooms because, you know, he is there with the belief, I need to help young players, uh, which I'm not sure D'Angelo necessarily got that in L.A. How does Carroll help D'Angelo navigate the waters with his new coach? You know, I, I think him and Dudley really were just like, they better explain to D'Angelo, like, why he is doing what he's doing you know they're i mean the word that d'angelo uses test they're testing you you got to pass these tests you have to get benched and handle getting benched well you need to not fume over there we're winning but you're not playing well or you're not even on the court like you need to think about it's bigger than you essentially and you know he begins to respond to that he starts you know mentioning to him bench celebrations over here if i'm gonna be over here i'm gonna have fun over here mm -hmm. um and those are, I think, important things that the coach needs to see in his growth. I mean, that's only, remember, 21, 22 at the time. It's right. crazy how young, you know, there are rookies right now who are 23. And all that advice helped set him up for last year, his best as a pro. How did he alter his approach going into the year? You know, he's 
getting older, he's starting to uh, maintain his body better, eat better, uh, the diet, you know, do pregame exercises that warm up the body better. So it's in a good state. Uh, the mental part of it is in a good state. And also the team is getting better, which I think matters for a point guard. It's not a great thing that happened, but Karis Levert, a uh, point guard for the for the Nets at the time, has a bad ankle injury early in the season, which really kind of made them shift a lot of their offensive responsibility over to him. And he was ready for it mm-hmm. mentally and physically, and, and he flourished. He goes on these crazy scoring binges. Crowd on their feet, 30 seconds to go in a tie game. Russell, three. Scored! Russell into the lane, lays it up, and in! Houdini! Ball fake. Russell handles and bucket. Major highlight, D'Angelo Russell. When we sit here on podcasts, when people write, I mean, you're always looking for tags for players. Like, how can I just quickly talk about them? Yep. Well, he's an all-star. And once you do that, you just elevate to another level in the league, and, and he made the all-star team. And perfect timing for getting paid as well with his rookie contract up. How did he prepare himself for the summer? His first opportunity to really choose where he wanted to play. He said he's talking to Jared Dudley about, you know, well, what is it, you know, what's the difference between a restricted and unrestricted free agent? How does a sign and trade work? That type of stuff. So he's starting to comprehend the business side of things. Probably, you know, his agent, I'm sure, is telling him what kind of values out there. There's so much behind the scenes. You know, they call it tampering, whatever, but, Mm -hmm. you know, behind the scenes communication. So he's starting to realize that he is setting himself up to get paid. But also at the time, you know, Kyrie Irving is becoming unhappy in Boston. The Kevin Durant stuff is bubbling up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And the Brooklyn is very much being attached as a possible destination for both those two. And he, I'm sure, is learning through all his questions that if one or both of those guys come to Brooklyn, that means he's not going to be in Brooklyn. So he knows he might have to go to a third NBA home just as he's getting kind of comfortable in a second one. And that is what happens at warp speed. Kyrie and KD plunge to Brooklyn before free agency even begins. So the Nets are out. Who's interested in signing him? The Lakers, which is Stunning, right? Um, <laughs> yep. But, I mean, it is a very different version of the Lakers. I mean, talk about warp speed, how free agency moves now. The league moves at warp speed, which is like player movement. And, you know, Magic Johnson, who traded Russell, is now out. Uh, LeBron James is in in L.A. Anthony Davis is in. And they have, like, beyond that, a pretty empty cap situation. They're waiting on Kawhi, so they're not going to make any for sure moves, but they're definitely hinting to D'Angelo's mm-hmm. people like hey you know this is the type of money we could give you if we don't get Kawhi the Minnesota Timberwolves are obsessed with him uh you know Carl Anthony Towns that's his friend again and they they don't get many free agents and through Towns they know that Russell is at least thinking about it and mm-hmm. that, that's monstrous to a franchise that again like I said can never really dip in a free agency and say you know come spend your winners in Minnesota and then the Warriors because through luck if you want to call it for the Warriors they wish Durant came back to them, but if he was going to leave, he goes to a place that has a very young, appealing guard, allowing them cap situation-wise to uh, maneuver into a sign-in trade. And they're letting Russell know right away, not only do we want you, we will give you full max money. And you mentioned how badly Minnesota wanted him. Why does D'Angelo opt for Golden State? It was max money. It was the fact I'm going to be tutored under Steph Curry. I get to be around Steph Curry. I get to be around... Draymond Green. I get to be around Steve Kerr. Like, I get to be around these successful basketball minds that I can just pick. I can just pick. So it wasn't even necessarily about, oh, me and Steph's going to be in the backcourt. Is this going to work? Is it not going to work? Clay's coming off injury, this, that. They're a little older. Like, those are the pros and cons. But it was more like, 
I get to take four years and just learn. Fall goes as D'Angelo hopes. How long does his Warriors tenure last? I think a lot of players would have gone in a little blind, like, ah, I signed a four-year deal, I'm going to be here four years, can't wait. But again, all the stuff we've talked about with D'Angelo has hardened him to the business, he understands it, he knows how cold the world is, but he just decided this was best for him. He wants to be here. He, In his dream scenario, next year they are back in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs. It's him out there with Klay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and, and it's, it's this rebooted version of the Warriors, and they're battling for the West Finals. But at the same time, he understands his dream reality may not be the reality. Anthony, awesome stuff. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. As of Sunday the 15th, Russell officially became trade eligible. That is the date every season when players who sign free agent contracts the previous offseason become tradable by their new clubs. But all signs point to the Warriors keeping him around for a while. With the injuries to Steph, Clay, and D'Angelo himself, they haven't had any time to see how he'll actually fit with the team's core. But that hasn't stopped the trade rumors from swirling, as they always do. So how is D'Angelo handling them? Well, in further proof of his newfound maturity, he told Anthony he's simply focusing on what he can control. His attitude, his effort, and his leadership. For access to Anthony's fantastic article on D'Angelo Russell, which goes even more in-depth than Anthony and I did here today, just click the link in the description notes of today's podcast. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update. With two games to go in the regular season, Kyle Shanahan and the Niners are postseason bound. Matt Barrows catches up with Kyle and his mom Peggy to learn about his two true loves that date all the way back to his childhood, as well as the moment that forced Kyle to follow in his father's footsteps much sooner than he planned. Monte Ellis was the face of the Warriors franchise in the late 2000s, and then he was gone. But his impact remains. How Stephen Curry and the current Dubs dynasty don't exist without him, as told by Oakland's own Marcus Thompson. We'll also preview Cal's bowl game with Illinois and dive into how the Golden Bears and Stanford Cardinal football teams will look next year with my friend and Pac-12 Network colleague Yogi Roth. We'll talk all things A's with the great Susan Slusser. And on our next show, the Giants have a new staff, new ballpark dimensions, and come spring, we'll have a new opening day starter after Madison Bumgarner was introduced as an Arizona Diamondback on Tuesday. First and foremost, winning is, uh, you know, that's that's what the whole decision is based on. And and being with a, with a team that that is going to, you know, in my mind, you know, is my brand of baseball, plays the way that, that I like to play. We'll discuss that and more in our two-part interview with Giants beat writer Andrew Baggerly. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of The Update. If you liked what you heard, hit the old subscribe button. And if you didn't, well, we're just getting started. (laughs) So we hope you'll stick around. I'm Kate Scott. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Monday.